Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through the lens of historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today we are discussing episode 70 of the story of Minglan or This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us via email at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com or else reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter. Also, please do leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to us to. If you are new to the podcast, uh, since we're literally four episodes away from the end, uh, highly recommend checking out our intro to the podcast and intro to the drama episodes to get a sense of what we talk about. But as we normally do for our podcast episodes, we will do a drama episode recap today and then talk about culture and our history reference in the drama, which... I'm not going to lie, isn't a whole lot today. And then finally, end with some book differences. As we head into the final few episodes, these episodes are super plot heavy, uh, but it is also an opportunity for us to see how many friends and allies Minglan has amassed over the years with a strong will and good heart. And for some reason, as I was thinking about this episode, the one title that <laughs> I came up with for the episode as we're going through is, I don't know how many of you guys have watched Lilo and Stitch, the animated film by uh, Disney with the adorable and also quite belligerent and reckless uh, blue alien. But Stitch always says something about Ohana means family, and I feel like that is something, that is like the ethos of this episode as well. So that's why we're going to title this podcast episode, Ohana means family. Episode 70 begins with the terrible news that Gu Tingye has been locked up by the emperor. On Minglan's side, she falls into a shock at the news and hurriedly reaches out to her and Gu Tingye's friends, Shen Guojiu, and his wife, Madame Zhang, for help. As Shen Guojiu is a trusted military general and brother to the current empress, you would expect that he has a clout with the royal family. But Shen Guojiu and Madame Zhang have themselves been turned away from helping Gu Tingye. However, Madame Zhang points out that even if Minglan, who has been rebuffed many times from entering the palace, cannot go, she, Madame Zhang, at least can. The other person intent on helping Gu Tingye is Sheng Changbai, Minglan's brother. This upstanding gentleman was thrown into one of the Sheng family warehouses by his father in order to prevent him from going to court and blurt out the truth about Aunt Kong's poisoning of Grandma Sheng thereby helping Gu Tingye. It's a rather hilarious scene when Changbai tries to escape his confinement, and we see what happens when uh, someone who has no martial arts skills tries to fight. He is tied up and tossed back into the room. <laughs> so what happened? Changbai steals the keys to his rooms from a servant that brought him food while also tying said poor guy up. 
The camera doesn't even follow Changbai out, only on the struggling servant before the doors open up again and Changbai is carried back into the room by four servants, one grabbing each limb. You can see that Changbai is ultimately quite the sweetheart because he only tied up the servant despite thinking it might be better to knock him out with a bench. After a hot second, Changbai thought better of it because that would be quite painful. And honestly, Changbai may accidentally kill someone with that little shtick. And uh, so Changbai only ties up the guy. It's such a subtle scene, but that again shows Changbai's forgiving and kind character. Changbai, though, is beaten rather harshly by his father, Sheng Hong, in the Sheng family shrine. On one side, Changbai wants to report the truth in order to do what's right, but Sheng Hong wants to protect the Sheng family. As we've said in previous episodes, if Changbai reveals the truth about Grandma Sheng's poisoning, the careers and prospects of every member of the Sheng family will be ruined. It is something that Sheng Hong and Changbai have to balance. At night, Madame Zhang successfully makes it into the palace to meet with the Empress. Madame Zhang suddenly tries to ask about Gu Tingye's condition, which the Empress refuses to elaborate, but Minglan bursts forward. She entered the palace disguised as one of Madame Zhang's maids in order to have an audience with the Empress. The Empress is rather understanding of Minglan's feelings and tries to console her before walking away. But Minglan grabs hold of the Empress's robes and continues to plead her case. Now, to me, the behavior of the Empress upon multiple viewings is quite suspect. When Minglan first bursts into the hall to speak to the Empress, the Empress doesn't look at her with a straight face. And then, as Minglan shouts that there are spies from the Empress Dowager, the Empress looks even more flustered. She reiterates that there has been a death in the Wang family, which is difficult to explain as if those lines were rehearsed. And lastly, the Empress doesn't allow any maids to treat Minglan poorly or drag her off. She even relents and allows Minglan to see Gu Tingye in person. Minglan's actions could have resulted in a much worse punishment, but for all intents and purposes, the Empress was quite reasonable and forgiving to her. This is one of the hints as to how this entire trial is playing out and or will play out. Another item that I want to bring up is the fact that if we listen to all the things that Minglan said, she probably would have been killed like several times over. She even said, oh, my husband was the one who um, got the emperor the edict for his ascension to the throne. For her to actually state that out loud is uh, quite dangerous, and I'm surprised there that the Empress didn't throw her into prison for it. News of Minglan's actions travel to Gu Tingye's ears. He, who is now sitting in a dark but large prison cell, is paid a visit by none other than the Prince Huan, who tells him that Minglan created a huge scene with his mother in order to be allowed to come see Gu Tingye. After hearing this, Gu Tingye is not actually excited about the fact that she's coming to see him, but rather that she caused a scene. He's over the moon to hear that she behaved this way for him, and even rushes the prince out of his cell 
to find someone who was a witness to Minglan's behavior in order to report this back to him in detail. What a weirdo. It's because to him, this is another display that Minglan might actually have true feelings for him now. And he wants to confirm it. Okay, for me, I'm like, you're in prison. Your wife is at her wit's end. And you're over here just worried about whether or not she like threw a hissy fit at somebody. Priorities. Hashtag priorities. Right? My goodness. Back at the Sheng Manor, Minglan is preparing for her visit to see Gu Tingye, but is paid an unexpected visit by Madame Wang. Wang Danyangzi. She traveled all the way back from Youyang after hearing of Minglan's plight and even received permission from Changbai and Sheng Hong to speak to Minglan. I really like the scene as it is the crucial scene where we see Madame Wang truly be a mother to Minglan. She appears in the dead of night to speak to Minglan and help her, as well as us understand why it is important for Minglan to separate from Gu Tingye immediately. And this is He Li, not divorce. If Gu Tingye is charged and his title removed, Minglan's son would also be labeled as the son of a criminal. If Minglan separates from Gu Tingye now, before the decree comes down, Minglan would preserve herself as well as her son by returning to the Sheng family. The Sheng family can at least still protect her. If Gu Tingye ever gets his name cleared, they can always remarry. This is the best course of action for Minglan. Minglan understands what Madame Wang is saying to her because it's for Minglan's good. I think that if this was at the beginning of her marriage, Minglan probably would have listened to Madame Wang and separated because Minglan would have been thinking much more uh, tactfully or tactically rather than now where she's thinking with a lot of emotion. Minglan is not going to separate with her husband uh, and she has decided that she is going to face the troubles together as a married couple. This really does reflect her changed sentiment in this marriage. Now, the other important takeaway from this conversation is that Minglan finally feels a mother's love from Madame Wang. The analysis that Madame Wang shares is a painful truth for Minglan, but she does so in order to help Minglan and even coming back to the capital in order to have this conversation. At the beginning of the conversation, Minglan is still rather guarded with Madame Wong because she's like, why are you here? What do you, you know, what do you think about what I should do? And Minglan calls Madame Wong as such or Da Niangzi. After hearing how much Madame Wong is thinking about how to protect Minglan and her son, Minglan actually changes and calls Madame Wong Mu Qin, the term for mother. It is as though Madame Wong's departure has done her some good in repenting for her past crimes. And on Madame Wong's side, she also started the conversation by calling Minglan Ming Yato, which is, uh, it's not like a derogatory term. It's just more like, oh, you know, um, it's not super close. But then after Minglan called her Mu Qin, Madame Wong then called Minglan Ming Er, which is, most of the time how Grandma Wong calls Minglan and is a much more um, endearing term. It is evident that in this moment, the Sheng family is closer than ever in an effort to help Minglan, barring Mulan at least. 
The next day, Minglan is escorted to Gu Tingye's prison cell and brings out the various items she's brought for him, particularly the blankets that could keep him warm. She also brings out the knee guards that Minglan gave Gu Tingye all those years ago as a thank you for helping her find a doctor for her dying mother. It's funny that those knee guards seem to be the one item that has tied the pair together throughout the years. As Minglan reiterates, no matter what happened after that, Minglan was always grateful for his help that day. After the pleasantries, Gu Tingye comes out with a heavy hitter and says that they should separate. I was kind of pissed off when he said this because he was like jokingly saying this. I don't know. I was like, are you testing if your wife will stay with you or is this an actual plan? Well, Milan's eyes immediately well up with tears. She's upset that he wants to divorce her. She's taking it as a divorce, but he says it's an amicable separation. The document has been created and his assets have all been given to her as well. He wants to protect her, which is why he wants them to separate first. Just as Madame Wong explained the previous night. But Minglan does not acquiesce. She even mentions that she named their son the word Tuan, which literally means togetherness. So when we think about Tuan Yuan, that means to be together. Isn't that so sweet? They will wait for Gu Tingye to be released so that they can be together again as a family. This causes Gu Tingye to well up with tears now. He still wants to separate with Minglan because he thinks it's what's best for her, but he is so touched by the fact that Minglan named their son with this word in order to show that they want to be together. Minglan pushes back against his insistence that they should still separate uh, by saying that if they do separate, they will no longer have any connection whatsoever. This is her threat to him, that uh, if he tries to push her to separate, she will not look back when they do. And he definitely knows that she is capable of just walking away and not looking back. And so they agree to drop it. As Minglan leaves the cell, a procession of guards and eunuchs head to Gu Tingye's cell with an imperial decree. The decree states that Gu Tingye his wife and child will be stripped of their titles. After the fall, Gu Tingye will be exiled 2,000 miles. That's a pretty harsh punishment. But if we think about it, he murdered a wife of an official, so I guess that's warranted. Now we'll turn to the other friend who has been worried about Minglan and Gu Tingye, and that is Qi Hong. Episode 70 ends with Qi Hong heading over to visit Minglan to see how he can help. At first, he is dressed in all black, hoping to go alone under the cover of darkness, but is caught before heading out by his mother, Princess Pingning. She, of course, doesn't want him to go for a myriad of reasons. Qi Hong's wife also appears. To his surprise, though, Madame Shen develops some pretty good lies to help Qi Hong leave the house with her and then changes course so that the husband and wife pair head over to see Minglan together. Once there, they ask what Minglan's next steps are. Right now, Minglan is acting 
way too rashly because, um, rightly, she's very emotional about Gu Tingye right now. But now that Madame Shen sees her husband is over Minglan, she's able to exhibit her own intelligence as she tells Minglan that without new evidence, she should not try to present herself in front of court. Only with new evidence can a new opportunity be presented. Therefore, the next step should be for Milan to create an opening for those operating in the background to strike. Once that happens, they can go to court with the new evidence of someone trying to harm both her and Gu Tingye. And the current evidence that Milan has is the poisoning or somebody tried to poison her in the last episode. Episode 70 ends with the trio planning their next steps. It's quite touching to me that Minglan now has allies again in Xi Hong and Madame Shen. You can tell that at first, Minglan was still a bit guarded with Madame Shen, particularly when Xi Hong mentioned the Empress Dowager. But Madame Shen implied her allegiance towards helping Minglan, or rather help Xi Hong help Minglan. Through this conversation, Xi Hong and Madame Shen's relationship changes dramatically for the better as well. Now, before talking about some culture and idioms mentioned in the drama, let me turn to something peculiar in the prison cell. We talked about earlier that the Empress's actions were a little suspect, but Gu Tingye's treatment in prison is even more of a green flag, if you will. First, in his scene with Prince Huan, when Prince Huan tells Gu Tingye about Minglan's belligerence in front of the Empress, there are two things. First of all, why is Prince Huan even able to have this conversation with Gu Tingye so easily? And also, why are they able to play Chinese Go so easily? For Pete's sake, Gu Tingye is in prison. I mean, I guess you could say that Prince Huan, being a prince, is able to go to prison where, where, you know, very easily go see whoever he wants to. But I would have assumed that they should keep some distance because everybody knows they're such good friends. Like, Minglan had to go through such hoops to be able to see Gu Tingye, but Prince Huan is just there. And then, when Minglan comes to visit, she noted at the very beginning that she's surprised to see so much coal for him to be warm in that prison cell. The implication is that he's not going to freeze in his cell, and that Minglan didn't need to prepare all of those warm blankets for him. Uh, I mean, I guess you could argue that regardless, Gu Tingye is still a marquee at this point, so his treatment in prison shouldn't be that bad, but that is still surprising to me. It tells me that he's living comfortably for being in prison without having Minglan bring him gifts and such. For me, the other question was, oh, you know, when Minglan comes to visit, Gu Tingye literally was eating a feast, but I'm assuming that Minglan brought him food. So we'll give that a pass. Overall, though, this is probably the cushiest prison that I've, or uh, prison cell that I've ever seen in a Chinese historical drama. Uh, it's just very, very subtle, but very interesting to watch.
Okay, now let's dive into some culture. When at the beginning of the episode, Changbai gets beaten by his father in front of the or in the Sheng family shrine, he makes a powerful declaration on how a man should behave. He says the following: so we did some research and have come to the conclusion that this isn't from any book and historical reference. However, it is still a very powerful statement. So we'll do our best to translate. First is which means that to correct your master, that is loyalty. Next, 为家晴天是为笑. Or, to protect your family from the sky, that is filial piety. 晴天 means to hold the sky. Basically, to withhold a large force. Next up, 为子作则是为礼. Or, to behave as the model son for propriety. And lastly, 为法辩白是为节. Which means that arguing for the law is for integrity. So if we take the last word of each group, we get or loyalty, filial piety, propriety, and integrity. The first two are amongst the eight virtues in Confucian teaching, and Li is in the four cardinal principles. Jie, or integrity, is usually paired with Li, but nevertheless powerful. And the way that this was said, also gives the order for what is most important. Sheng Changbai was arguing ultimately with his father because his father is, how can you ruin the Sheng family prospects? Because you have to remember that you have to be xiao or filial uh, or exhibit filial piety to the Sheng family. But the fact that Changbai comes back with this, he's saying that I first need to be zhong or loyal and then xiao. In his mind, he should or would sacrifice his own career for what he believes is right. Okay, next we want to talk about this idiom called yi qiu zhi he. This idiom is used when Minglan tries to appeal to the empress. And she says, oh, everybody's evil, and there are yi qiu zhi he. The literal translation is raccoon dogs from the same mountain. The meaning, as I just mentioned, is that they're all the same. They're all evil. In English, it's kind of like birds of a feather, but with a much more negative connotation. And this is just like a personal anecdote. So for those of you who have seen Huan Zhu Ge Ge or the Pearl Princess, in this is one of the idioms that the main character, she can't really read. And so she, instead of calling it yi qiu zhi he, calls it yi bing zhi mao, which... I mean, we won't go too deep into it. It's because you can't read properly. But whenever I see yi qiu zhi he, I'm just like, ah, oh, Xiao Yanzi in Huan Zhu Ge Ge is talking about yi bing zhi mao. And honestly, I never really knew what yi qiu zhi he was because I watched the Pearl Princess so uh, early or when I was really young. So now that's why I'm like, oh, we can talk about this idiom. Okay, so the reason is, is if you look at it written out, 
Yi Qiu. Qiu looks like Bin, which means army or soldier. And He looks like Ma, which means cat. But so like the entire phrase doesn't make sense anymore. The first use of this idiom comes from the Book of Han, written by Ban Gu and finished in 111 AD. The idiom appears specifically in the volume of Yang Yun. The story goes on as such. There was a man called Yang Yun who was of noble stock. His father rose to the rank of prime minister, and he himself was awarded for his loyalty with the title of marquis. During his time, he implemented several reforms. However, as time passed, he became more and more arrogant. One day, Yang Yun heard that the leader, or Chan Yu of the Xiongnu, which were a nomadic confederation of tribes, was killed. He responds with this phrase, this translates to, During the Qin Dynasty, the emperor favored deceitful courtiers and killed his loyal subjects, causing the downfall of the Qin Dynasty. It's the same, from ancient times to now, emperors will always favor these deceitful men. They're all like raccoon dogs from the same mountain. Now, nothing really wrong with Yang Yun stating Yi Qiu Zhi He, but then he also said Gu Yu Jin, or from ancient times until now. This means that he's also critiquing the current emperor. The current emperor, or of his time, heard what he said and immediately stripped him of his title and punished him. You know, I can't really blame the emperor on this. If you have a subject stating that you are the same as despots from the past, you probably wouldn't be too happy about it either. And I want to note, dear listeners, that raccoon dogs are different from raccoons. They are native to East Asia and uh, have since become an invasive species in Western Europe, but they are not found in North America. All right, and let's conclude with book differences. There's not much to say again as the book completely diverges from the drama. Gu Tingye is not thrown into prison, so there's not much for Milan to do. What does happen, though, is that Gu Tingye is ordered to the western border on a mission with several troops. That is still similar to what will happen a few episodes later, so I won't dive into it much here. Madame Wang does not return to the capital to support Minglan. Their relationship never fully thaws out like it does in the drama, so I'm glad that Madame Wang and Minglan finally had that scene in the show. Qi Hong and his wife, Madame Shen, also aren't involved in any of the action, so the scenes in the drama are purely to tie everybody back together. Qi Hong in the book doesn't really have a great ending, so I'm glad to see that he's building a healthy relationship with his wife. And to cap it all off, this episode, episode 70, is the last time we see Madame Wong on screen. I'm very sad about this because she's one of these stand-up characters for me. The actress Liu Lin does an amazing job portraying Madame Wong. She kind of walked off of the pages uh, of the book to the screen. So she really knocked it out of the park. Liu Lin has been in several dramas from Daylight Entertainment or Zheng Wu Yangguang 
which is the production company that created Zhifou or the story of Minglan. And of course, Lang Yabang or Nirvana and Fire. This company seemed to really like using her, and it makes sense. She's really good. So let's say one last farewell to the awesome, now, Madam Wong. You were rightly punished for your plot to poison your mother-in-law, but I'm glad that in the end, you finally decided to do something for your whole family and not just your own children. And that is it for our discussion of episode 70. We're really, really happy to see so many people coming to Minglan's aid and helping her out in her time of need, but also quite uh, emotional over the fact that she is willing to stay together with Gu Tingye to show the resilience of their marriage. We will see what happens in the next couple of episodes as the plots unfolding are going to reveal themselves. As a reminder, if you are in the U.S. and are looking for sites to watch Chinese dramas, head on over to Jubao TV. That is J-U-B-A-O TV. It's a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. You can stream it through the website Jumo, X-U-M-O, or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. Again, all of this is free with uh, English subtitles. The music you heard is the uh, Zither piece called Lan with sheet music by Bing Jiu Jin and played by yours truly. Thank you all so much for listening and we will catch you in the next episode.